Our epistle lesson this morning is from Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verses 18 through 29. Listen to the word of the Lord. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not endure that order was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it should stone to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to the innumerable angels and festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking for if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth How much less will we escape if we reject the one who warms from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks, by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our act of respect of praise and response is from Psalm 71. You'll find it in selection 794 in your hymnal, and I invite you to stand as you are able. O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have been looking for comfort. It was you who told me to 
I have been an example to many, for you are my strong refuge. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. Those who watch for my life consult together, saying, O God, be not far from me. Please be seated, and I'll invite all the children to come forward. wondering what this is on my foot a little bit I'm going to tell you but first I want to ask you do you like rules no no (laughs) what's your there's a lot of rules here at church isn't there yeah well rules we have rules for a really good reason so this thing on my foot is a result of me breaking a rule I hurt my foot because I was breaking the rule not to run inside. Have you heard that rule before? Yes. So I was breaking the rule and then I got hurt. And so rules are important. They're not just to make it difficult for us, but to protect us. And the rules that we follow in the church for a reason too when we say the things we say and we sing the things that we sing and when your parent puts puts, uh, their hand on your knee to keep you from moving around the reason is so that we can know God and that we can love God and know God's love for us because you know what that is? worship Worship is just loving God and knowing God and realizing how much he loves us. And so the rules that we have to follow, that we do follow in here, aren't to get in the way of God in our worship, but to make it easier. Okay, so that when you're told to not wiggle or pay attention to the hymns and the prayers, it's only because we want you to know that God is with you. And one more thing I want to tell you. The rule of running inside isn't just for one place, but it's for everywhere. Right? So the rules of worship are not just for the The only place you can run is outside. That's right. So the rule is for anywhere inside. Right? So the rules of paying attention to God and worshiping are just not for in here, but for where? For everywhere. Outside, inside, at home, and here, in your Sunday school class. 
Because we can worship God and find God where? Everywhere and anywhere. All right? So from now on, rules are important. That's right. So we're going to pay attention to the teacher, parents, the preacher, and God, most importantly. Let's pray. Pray with me. Dear God, we want to see you and to feel you and to know you. Help us to remember all of the ways that we can discover you the best, even if it means following rules. In Jesus' name, amen. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the 13th chapter of Luke, and I'll be reading verses 10 through 17. Hear the word of God. Now he, he being Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, 
kept saying to the crowd, There are six days in which we work, when work ought to be done, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all of his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The word of the Lord. Mahatma Gandhi, that little man who set free the big nation of India by following the teachings of Jesus Christ, the agape love, love in action, love ethic, so evident in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. A recent poll revealed that 80% of Christians or church-going Christians, practicing Christians, believe that their church is doing good. Only 20% of non-practicing Christians, non-Christians, people who are not affiliated with the church, have a positive view of the local church. 80%, 20%. That's a big gap. So, Not much has changed since the day that Jesus called the church leaders hypocrites and he defended a religious outsider, a sick and hurting woman, as a better example of faith and worthy of the utmost, greatest of God's compassion and healing. The church leaders they felt like nothing was wrong with their practices of faith. They believed that everything about their institution was okay. So they pushed back against Jesus, who was trying to tell them it's not okay. And they pushed, pushed back, pushed back all the way, all the way to Jesus' death. So the synagogue leader who we meet today that challenges Jesus and criticizes Jesus, he's a lot like uh, people in our church today, our lay leaders, um, our Sunday school teachers, Sunday school superintendents. Uh, our church leaders, like pretty much like all of us here today. They would be people who run the church, who we would say, good Church people are here whenever the church doors were open, probably a lot of them having the keys to open and close those very doors. They were even right where they were supposed to be. They were in the place of 
of worship. They were in the synagogue. They were in Sunday school, so to speak. They were observing the rules of God and disciplining people to those rules. Why is it that Jesus calls them hypocrites? These were the super-religious people of Jesus' day, the Pharisees, the scribes, the synagogue leaders, that Jesus calls them hypocrites. He saves the worst of the woes to these religious leaders, the elite of the church, of the Jewish faith. Matthew 23, he just bombards them with woes over and over again. You Pharisees, you scribes, you hypocrites. You see, they cared more about the rules of their religion than the heart, than the heart of God from which all of the rules came. God declared the Sabbath, a day of rest. Not to give them a whole bunch of prohibitions or things of what not to do, but to set aside distractions that would interfere with their encounter with God and worship. He wanted them, He wants us to put our full attention, our full attention on God. To sit in His presence, to abide in His love, To worship. Just worship God. Praise God for everything that God's blessed us with. But these church leaders, these religious leaders, they were using the rules, they were embellishing the rules, they were even adding rules on top of the rules that, that God had given in His holy law so that they could prop up their image, so that they could have clout and status in the community to set themselves apart as religious leaders. But let me say this. Not all church people who follow the rules of the church or are dedicated and committed to the creeds and the traditions of the church are hypocrites. But all hypocrites are people who observe the creeds, the traditions, the rules, and the things that make us look like Christians. Because it is only the people who act like God and say they are acting like God that can misrepresent God. Let me put this another way. Not all Christians are hypocrites. But all hypocrites are Christians. So it begs some self-reflection. Bowling, it always sounds like a good idea. Bowling always in thought is a fun idea and a fun thing to do. I love the idea of bowling until I'm actually bowling. Y'all can laugh at that. 
Because ball after ball after ball goes where? If you're me. Straight into the gutter. Every once in a while, it'll stay in play, and it'll go straight down the lane, and the thrill of the sound of the pins falling and scattering, a strike, points, and that thrill carries me, you know, through more gutter balls and more gutter balls and more gutter balls, and I envy all of those around me who are bowling strike after strike after strike. It wasn't until I was a parent and was attending a child's birthday party at a bowling alley that I discovered bumpers. Bumpers. It's amazing things that pop up out of the gutter that prevent, make it impossible for your ball to go into the gutter. Makes it fun. Keeps me from embarrassing myself and and making mistake with a bowling ball, mistake after mistake after mistake. We can become so rigid, so rigid with our rules, so focused on the rules of the church that we no longer have any tolerance for anything that doesn't conform to our expectations of what church should be and what worship should be. So we, we get to where we will only accept right a, a perfect strike, right down the middle. We only accept the things that are in bounds, never straying out of bounds to love somebody who isn't in the lane with us. Never going into the gutter of meeting someone in the gutter like the woman who shows up on the Sabbath at the synagogue, broken, stooped, sick. She shouldn't be there. She doesn't belong there. But she's the person that Jesus heals. We put up bumpers. We put up bumpers. They separate us from God. They separate us from other people who need Jesus' healing. The bumpers that we put up to protect us, they separate us not only from other people, but it separates us and them from God. Why do we do that? We... We harden and we seal off our own hearts. As church people, you know, God he wants to come in. He wants to come in. So we should keep our hearts open, our doors open, especially, especially to the broken and those that we don't think belong. A saint of our church transitioned this week from this life to the next. Patsy McLeod was a woman of the church. As Reverend Meg so 
poignantly described her yesterday in the eulogy, and she pointed out Patsy was a church lady in the truest sense. She was, you couldn't find someone who was more conformed to our creeds, our traditions. The church, history of this church, she was a devoted Christian, a devoted follower of the holiness of God in worship. She followed the rules and she wanted everybody else to follow them too. She devoted herself to have a properly set communion table. Right? She washed and pressed the table linens. She polished the silver. She set everything out just so. She encouraged a spirit of awe and a posture of reverence in the sacred place. For Patsy, these customs, this rules following, they weren't in themselves for her faith. They were windows to the heart of God. She was creating a space of welcome. She was opening the door so that anyone and everyone could encounter the presence and the love of God in this place. I was walking through the different spaces where um, Patsy's family and, and friends would be Using for the memorial, times of memorial. The family gathered for lunch in a, in a gym. It had already been converted for a holy space, a sanctuary of worship in the well. The room where we would later have solemn prayers to begin the healing process for the family. Just hours before was a children's birthday party. It was filled with laughter and the birthday cake and balloons and shouts and chaos. Total chaos. And in this space, perfectly holy space with these beautiful stained glass windows and woodcraft and the sounds of the organ shaking the ground beneath our feet. Three completely different spaces, but all sacred. All places of worship, all places of meeting God, and I thought, Patsy would love it. She would find it all very appropriate. Faith allows us to be okay with different Faith allows us to have peace without any control. Faith allows us to create a place of worship without bumpers. To know that Jesus is as present in the pressed linens and polished silver as paper tablecloth and baskets of crayons. In stained glass, in the laughter of a child. That we can discover Jesus in the singing of the doxology, in the chaos 
of children. This synagogue leader, he was an expert. He was an expert in the ways and the rules of the church, but he was so focused on keeping the rules of the church and of his religion that he was blind. He was blind to the offer of love that God was giving through the gift and the presence of his son, Jesus Christ, who was physically present. And he missed it. He missed it. The rules and the traditions that God had given the church, that God had given the Jewish people, had become the very distraction that the Sabbath was created to avoid. Those with the keys to the church had closed their heart to true worship because they were too busy judging those that they wanted to lock out. We don't just put up bumpers around our church bumpers to to leave people out. We put up bumpers around our hearts. The bumpers that we erect to keep people out keeps God out. We restrict our welcome. We limit who we love, how we love, how we give, This is the truth. That sick woman, she had more bumpers around her than an entire bowling alley. And yet Jesus found her, touched her, healed her, restored her. Jesus' compassion finds us wherever we are. No bumpers can block Jesus' love for us or for others. Jesus is with us, right, when our life goes out of bounds. When our life goes outside the limits, when our life goes off the mark, even when our life goes into the gutter and we are lost and failing. Faith. We've been talking about faith the past few weeks. It is unbridled loving beyond a person's mistakes, beyond their circumstances, beyond their joblessness, beyond their hygiene beyond their voting record, beyond any wrongdoing that they have perpetrated against us or people that we have loved. To love them beyond stained glass, to love them beyond polished silver, to love them in the gyms, in the halls, and in the streets, in the grocery stores, and rooms where we are afraid to enter Because God loves us beyond all of ours. Sabbath worship isn't what is done in here, but what is done in here. Faith isn't a container of respectability, but compassion without constraint. And let me tell you something about what happened in worship 
on that Sabbath day where this woman who shouldn't have been there was surrounded with all of the people that should have been. She was the only person who was worshiping. In the midst of the judgment, she was the one who was praising God. She stood tall and erect and she worshiped the one who had healed her. And so too, Are we here to worship the one who finds us here in all of our failings? We do this for our own hearts and for the hearts of others. And finally, for the heart of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we praise you for all of the blessings, those that we can see and those that we cannot see, that you reign upon us. Thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of worship, for the gift of this church. Thank you for pursuing us with unending love, without restraint. Your love pursues us along the highways, the byways, the bushes, the ditches. You call us, you love us, no matter what. God, open our hearts and our ears and let us hear your cry of love, the cry that calls us to the cries of others, that makes transparent the cries of our own hearts. Forgive us for the many ways that we shut ourselves off from you and from others. Hold before us the brokenness, the broken, those that you put in our path to love and to show your love, to embrace and welcome the unlovable and the unwelcome. God, we thank you. We thank you for your Son who loves us without boundaries. We thank you for your sacred word, your sacred church, your very holy presence. We pray, God, that the rules that you give us wouldn't keep us from you and others, but would, in fact, be the doorways and the windows to your love. That rules aren't for rules' sake. It's just you being a good, good parent to show us the way back to you, keep us safe. Guide us in all your ways, in all your love, in all your healing, in all your forgiveness, in all your redemption. May we commit ourselves to you anew today. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now as we respond to that love by offering not only our gifts but ourselves, in service to God, I'll invite our ushers to come forward.
God of compassion and love, we are so grateful. And we respond to the love that you've shown us by asking you to open our hearts and minds to others, to bless these gifts, and to bless the offerings of ourselves also. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Beloved children of God, go forth in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, and may compassion and love be a stream going forth from you into all the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.